Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 470. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy to have you here with us today. I'm also thrilled to introduce today's guest, Chris Dyer. Chris is the CEO, best-selling author, and keynote speaker from People G2 and ChrisPDyer.com. Chris, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here as well. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Chris, I'd love for you to share a bit of your journey and tell people what you do today and how you got here. Well, do you have about five hours? I don't know. I'll give you, I guess I'll give you the abridged version. But, you know, I started my company back in 2001 and I was young and uh, probably too dumb to know I was starting in the middle of a recession back then. And so I went back and I decided to start my own company. I was tired of working for somebody else. And that really started me on a journey of being an entrepreneur and learning about business. And, you know, I really liked what I was doing and I had people working for me. I have someone that's still working with me today that it's a lot of fun to work with, but I really didn't know how to be a leader in a business setting. I was really good at being a leader as a coach, as like a sports coach. It was something I did a lot of. I was good at being a middle manager, being someone inside of an organization who could take what someone else had already dreamt of and go and execute on it. But I was now thrust into this, it's time to be the leader. And it took, you know, for a long time, I tried to use the other lessons I had of, again, that middle manager or that sports coach and do what I say or go run some laps, right, or do some push-ups. That was sort of the implied authority. And it wasn't until the next recession hit, so in 2008, 2009, that I began to reflect and say, geez, here we are again, and things are tough, and there's not a lot of orders coming in, and I really should take this time to think about, can I make the business better? And can I work on the business now so that when we come out of this recession, we can really do well? Not knowing what that meant, not knowing what that would take me, but I sort of used the example of, I guess if you're in the middle of getting divorced, you might start going to the gym and working out because at some point you might be going on a date right? um, and you might want to be your best self, right? And that was sort of that idea that we could work on ourselves. And that led me to two really distinct areas. One was our culture was broken. It was totally my fault. And we needed to create a new culture that was sustainable and more about the organization than it was about me as the leader or me as as the owner. And then number two was that we really didn't do our best work together. We did our best work as we communicated, but we did our best work independently. And that was sort of a little bit of a discovery as we were kind of looking at how people were working. We collaborated, we talked, we communicated, but then we went off and did our own thing. And then we came back and reported and that worked really well. So there was no reason for us to continue to have a traditional building. So we became a 100% remote organization. And that is still our model today, and we absolutely love it, having that space and time to be away and to work on our stuff and then come back and collaborate with our team and eliminate the water cooler talk and the being annoyed because someone's burning popcorn in the kitchen and, you know, all (laughs) of the the weird human intricacies we have at work, right? Like we as a group, we're annoyed with each other, but we liked each other 
so we went remote and that worked great for us. So from there, I began talking about culture because I had been studying it and we had been doing it and speaking about background checks, which is our core business and drug testing is not as quite as sexy as some people might think. People preferred that I came to conferences and talked about our journey from a culture standpoint or a remote work standpoint. And that has just sort of continued to lead to one thing after another, almost like a a staircase that led to a radio show, which eventually led to a book, which is here. Here we are today. So that's sort of my uh, long winded uh, story of how we got here. No, I really appreciate that because so many people could look at a recession and think, oh, my gosh, it's panic time. Now we just need to push, push, push harder and make sure that we're keeping just as much business coming in. But rather than that, you took a step back and looked at the ways that you could improve. I can't say that I would be able to do that. I mean, I'm sure I would be able to, but it just. Yeah, it took a lot of confidence in ourselves that we could do that. And then because we weren't remote, that helped us um, save money and be able to last through that time and not lose people. We didn't have to lay anybody off. You know, people took pay cuts and we cut a lot of expenses so we could survive through that period. But there was a lot of extra time that we weren't used to having to, to do that reflection and to have those meetings and to have those conversations. That's often one of the things that people don't have is time. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to improve their companies. They may be trying to improve their company right in the middle of a, of a boom. But you're in so many meetings and there's so many people pulling you every which way that really the recession time in one part, most of the parts suck, but in one part, it's a gift to be able to go back and reflect and think about how you're going to get better and how you're going to you know, move forward. We also did not cut our advertising budgets. We found that by advertising, we could get much cheaper advertising. People were just giving it away and we could really create some brand awareness. Even if people weren't going to buy today, they were going to buy eventually. And that worked really well for us as well. You know, that never occurred to me until last year, right around like Black Friday, mm-hmm. when I don't remember if I saw a Facebook post or something about how, unless you have a huge budget, you might want to pull your ads now because you're going to be competing with all the big box stores for marketing spots because they want to pull you in. I mean, when you're competing with stores like Target and Walmart and Amazon right before Black Friday, at least here in America... You're going to be paying a lot more for that little spot in the sidebar. but and, I, and are people really thinking about you? If they're worried about Thanksgiving and Black Friday, I'm not thinking about your service or your business. And even if I saw your ad a week from now, I mean, you're totally right. A week from now, I may be engaged to learn more. But if I'm worried about my in-laws and burning the turkey, I'm not thinking about engaging with you, you know, in the future. Oh, absolutely. Like right now, I have never cooked a turkey. I just need to put it out there. Okay, (laughs) But that would be totally what I was writing about because I burn dinner just about every night anyway. But right now is what presents do I need to buy while they're on sale? And then next week it will be, okay, how do I pay for those presents that I bought last week? So what programs or services could help me? But I think that a lot of people think, oh, everybody else... And I say that in quotes, everybody else is having a Black Friday sale, so I better have one too. No, stop worrying about everybody else. Chris, I'm curious, how did it occur? I mean, I know you said there was a recession, but how did it occur to you to think about your company's culture and how did you begin that conversation? Well, I knew that we weren't meeting 
our goals and we weren't happy as a company in general prior to the recession. It was just that recession gave us the time to be able to work on it. And so I talked to my mentors. I talked, I read a lot of books and it just sort of occurred to me that this was the best place to start. It was, we could work on it. It was accessible. It didn't necessarily cost us a lot of money or if it was in a lot of regards, just free to make those changes and do those things. So, you know, had there been a better thing to work on, but had it been really expensive, I probably just ignored it because it just wasn't, you know, it was what was the best available for us at the time. Right. Do you think that a lot of businesses struggle with building their teams from the start? I mean, is there any right way, in your opinion, to build a team from the start? And what do you see as being a price of not doing it, quote, correctly, if there is a right way? Yeah, so a lot of companies do what we did, which is you start off and you don't have much money. And so there's only two groups of people that you can underpay and they'll put up with it. That's family and friends. So you get people who know you hired to come together and, you know, be a part of your vision and what you want to do and starting a business and all these great things. But a stranger doesn't usually put up with the hard work and the low pay. So you bring in these people. But somewhere along the way, they are not all the right people for you as your company grows. Suddenly you're you know, your cousin or your neighbor or whoever may not have the skills. And so that this is where it starts to become difficult as you grow and you move forward. And so you have to think about and maybe even have those conversations with those people early on. I mean, that would be best case. Hey, listen, I love that you're going to start. We're going to go. You need to know somewhere down the line, you may want to do something else or we may want to go another direction. And I still want to be your friend or I still want to be your family member or whatever it is. Or having that conversation at some point as we grow, we may bring in, you know, smarter, more experienced people to help us. And that's going to change our organization. So that was tough for us to kind of have to unwind a little bit. Uh, I'm fortunate that a lot of my people that fit that criteria early on really worked to develop themselves outside of the company so they could be the right person that we, we were talking about that and communicating that. And so they knew what the right person looked like you know, that we might need in a year and they went out and went back to school or they read books or, you know, went to classes or whatever it was to try to do some sort of professional development to be that person. So that was really helpful. Conversely, if you are like a startup with, you know, $10 million in the bank, then the mistake that people make is they just go out and try to hire the right person on paper and they don't think about what they want their culture to look like and what they want their culture to be first and then hire people who can fit into that are going to be a good complement to the kind of company they want to be. Because if they really value, you know, honesty, let's say is one of their cultural values and you have someone in there who can't, can't shoot straight despite being a top performer, they're always going to be a rub in the organization. So you have to be really intentional and thoughtful about what you're doing. You just brought up like 18 gazillion questions for me. <laughs> so my team has been in a, in a growth stage. And I've noticed that in in my company's history, I tend to do a lot better or the, the company does a lot better when I hire people, number one, based on personality. Number two, people who are I consider, and, and I mean this with all respect, who are green, who really haven't been out there doing necessarily what I'm asking them to do, but can learn how to do it how I want them to do it. 
without the preconceived notions. Now, I know there are some roles within my business. I do a lot of marketing, consulting, and automation build out for clients. So there's systems like Infusionsoft where I don't necessarily want to hire somebody who doesn't have any experience, right? Because they could just come in and break it. So there are some exceptions. What is your thought on hiring for personality and just, I guess, yeah, I guess there's no other better way to say it, personality versus skills. Yeah, and so that personality could even be translated into potential, right? Mm -hmm. Does this person have the potential to do a great job for us here and learn what we want them to learn? And I think you're right. There are definitely positions where them learning it the way we want them to do it, because we have figured out the right way to do it, is important. But there are other people who come in with a high level of expertise to organizations. And so the fit part is more important than whether or not they're going to do it the way I want them to do it. So I just hired a new VP of sales. He's a lot different than the last VP of sales I have. And he comes with totally different skills and things that he can bring to the table. And so I have to figure out how to work with him. He has to figure out how to work inside the organization in a way that makes sense. But it's going to be totally different than the last person. And I can't ask him to come in and be a clone of the last person in the way in which you might be able to do that with someone who's just doing a lower level type of task. Right, right? the technician. The the technician versus the person who's a strategy. So Mm -hmm. it does really depend on who that person is and what they're doing. Right. Now, I I know that Forbes shared an article of yours, the 10 do's and don'ts of conducting employee background checks. Do you feel that that starts a new employee off on the right foot? Like, I guess that would probably be addressed in your article. Well, so background checks and doing background checks correctly helps the company ensure that they know who this person is. So they have clarity and transparency about that. We don't believe that just because someone has ever had something in their past that they shouldn't get a job. I think that's ridiculous. But it's important for employers to know where their risks might be. And if someone has had trouble in a particular area, then it's important to know that so you can help support them Mm -hmm. and also make sure that they don't cause the company harm if, if they begin to go down that path again. So it's more about understanding. I love that. Yeah. And so that's one part of it, but also having a really good process for that applicant is important because, and that's something we try to deliver. It can be really difficult to do a background check and it's really annoying for the, for the candidate. And if you have a bad experience, if you provide a really kind of, you know, non-technological experience where they're filling out paperwork and they're waiting forever for their background check to come back and things like that. Right now, especially in this market, they have lots of other options. They may pick somebody else. Our solution allows them to get it by text message. They can do it on their mobile phone. They can get status updates. I mean, they can do everything. The applicant gets full control of the process while the HR director or the business owner can control it on, on their side and make sure everything's done correctly. So that part of it can help, but that's a part of an overall onboarding strategy. And I could probably talk to you for three hours about proper onboarding and things that people can be doing to really help because a lot of the studies say that people already know in the first day whether or not they made the right decision to work there. They've already made up their mind based on things that have happened leading up to them starting their job with all the onboarding and then their experiences on day one. And if they've already decided this may not be the right thing, they're not going to spend the next up to 100 days 
preparing to leave and figuring out how to leave and looking for their next job, all while you're wasting all your time and energy and resources training this person and getting them all these things and business cards and sending them to trainings and all these things when they're getting ready to leave because on day one, no one took them to lunch or no one said hello to them or ignored them or didn't provide them what they needed or whatever it was, right? Yeah. Not only is day one important, the the pre-days are super important. I never really thought about that, actually. And on the day of this recording is actually, we're touching on so many points here. It's actually my sister's day one in my company. And I haven't sent out a introduction. (laughs) Right. She's my sister. Right. As a contractor, I was applying for a subcontractor position about three years ago, and I was really surprised that they asked me to get a credit check done and send it to them. And I was really concerned. I understood a little bit why they wanted me to. I mean, theoretically, people who have bad credit scores could just, well, and often did make bad decisions, which is what I did. I had a bad credit score and I had I had, had a first business or I had had a business about a decade ago. And it was an e-commerce shop and I racked up a lot of credit card debt and, you know, life happens. Mm-hmm. Right. But I I was a little bit alarmed. I was like, why do you need to see my credit score in order for me to be considered for this position? And I explained the situation. But then I've heard of one of my previous employers who is considered by me to be like a brother from another mother. He had hired an office manager who, without him knowing, had embezzled close to a half million dollars from his business. Mm-hmm. And after I saw that happen, I was like, oh, you know, we at least have to be aware. And I'm not saying that people with bad credit scores are going to steal money. Absolutely not saying it. I mean, I would love for a Brinks truck to just break open in front of me someday. But, you know, conscious right. would tell me that I would help them pick up the money and give it back. Hopefully there would be a reward. But right. we at least have to be aware. Well, it's a part of an overall process. So credit report is one piece of many pieces in mm-hmm. an overall puzzle that might tell you whether or not somebody is a risk. Right. Uh, we actually don't see as much of a correlation between, let's say, a bad credit report, unless it's, abs- I mean, if it's terrible, that's different. But what you're talking about is someone who's had some, had an event, right? An explainable event, a divorce, a bad you know, business went bad, things like that. There's not really a correlation there between that and them stealing. There can be a correlation between people who just don't really have a reason why their credit sucks. You know, they just are delinquent just because they just haven't cared or haven't really paid attention to it or didn't really put the effort into, you know, to do that stuff between absenteeism and, you know, not quite being the, the person that they want in the job, along with other factors, right? What does their criminal record look like? What does their driving history mm-hmm. look like? What does their employment and their education history look like? Again, these are all, it create, kind of paints a picture when you know all of this information, whereas just a credit or just a criminal or just a DMV doesn't tell you enough about that person to make, in my, my opinion, uh, an employment decision about them. I think you need as much information as you can to understand that person as a whole, as well as all of the interviews you've done and all the other assessments you may have done to decide, is this the right person for me? Absolutely. I can so see that when you paint that whole picture. Thank you. Chris, what does People G2 do? 
Yeah, so kind of got into a little bit. We do pre-employment background checks, tenant screening. So if you have a people-related decision you have to make, we have a service that can help you make sure that you mitigate risk by checking them out and make sure you know who they are and that you're not missing some really big piece of information that later on you might go, oh, if I had just known Matt, I wouldn't have done this, right? And so that that's really the, the core of our, of our business, and we're um, – very proud of uh, the service we provide and the, and the te- really the technology play that we provide to our clients. What makes you passionate about People G2? I love the people and I love the work that we do, but I think most importantly, really ties into our purpose, which is we think we make the world a slightly safer place every day. Whether that's keeping someone who would embezzle, you mm-hmm. know, away from your money or keeps a person who might harm a child or uh, some other uh, person who can't defend themselves, like an elderly person or something, keeping someone who might harm them away from them. Hmm. Um, those are kinds of things that we we do every day. And that makes us feel proud of the work that we do. We also make sure that we validate information and we validate people's accomplishments so that they can get their next best job and that we can help them prove that they are who they say they are and that they have done all the cool things they said they have done so that people believe them and and give them that job or that promotion or whatever it may be. So, you know, our purpose is really tied to the outcomes of everyday people in our society. Are you working with mostly large corporations or do you work with small businesses as well? Yeah, so it really runs the gamut. When we started, it was smaller businesses because that Mm -hmm. was easier for us to, to get. But um, we have some very large companies that we work with, some really big brand names, uh, a lot of medium-sized businesses, and a lot of small businesses. So we really have solutions, again, that can help any size business, whether they're running a million background checks a year or they're running one. We we have a solution for them. I love that. I was actually just thinking about when you've been sharing all of this, I've been thinking about one of my earliest hires who lasted no more than a month. Got to be totally honest there. And the role that the person filled, I'm not going to indicate gender here, but was a project manager or my online business manager. And I would get off the phone with them and I would be in tears. Just, it was my business, but I was just being treated so poorly. Like I remember just hanging up on the call one day, not wrapping up the call, but just hanging up the call because I was just even as the business owner was being treated with so much disrespect, I couldn't believe it. And eventually the relationship had to end when clients actually told me that they weren't going to do business with my business anymore because the disrespect was also going to them. And so I let the person go and I had hired them through Upwork. Listeners, Mm -hmm. if you're not familiar, like a freelance website, basically. And the person had already gone in to Upwork and left themselves a rave review on my behalf. <laughs> I was like, whoa, wow. And I, I honestly, now that I think about it, I didn't, never did anything about it. But I should have, because that's not setting anybody else up for success, because that person can go and get another position where they might treat the next person the same way. What is your thought about references? I mean, do we have to be worried when somebody calls or emails us and asks how a person performed for us? 
So I'm not a lawyer. There's a lot of different thoughts here about this. So there has been, I think most people as a general practice will give, you know, information and their best ability to, to answer that. There are companies that won't answer that question at all. And because there has been some lawsuits that have said, you know, you told me they were a good employee and then they showed up here and they stole everything and, you know, shot my dog. Therefore, you're liable because you told me they were a great person. Those are pretty rare instances. But we have found that if someone gives you that personal reference, that's a pretty good one to call. And we, we do that a lot for clients. Because if they said these three people should say good things about me, and these are my three, you know, easy ones, they should tell you good things. And if they don't tell you good things, that's a red flag, right? That the three people they listed, one of them was talking smack on them. You ought to be really concerned about this applicant because they right. were supposed to give you the three good ones. We have some other services where we like to go out and find other references that maybe they didn't list. This is a higher end service that we do for, you know, maybe executives and things like that. But it's certainly references are a really important part of the process. And depending upon the job, sometimes they're required. I mean, there are certain positions in the government or federal contracts where you, know, you have to list certain people. And we have to talk to neighbors or uh, past them, uh, supervisors and things like that. What would you do then? I'm just curious. I know you're not an attorney and you can't make a Everybody has to make their own decision. But if I didn't want to say anything, how would you voice it? Just not respond? Like if, let's just say that I got a referral from that person. Just not respond or yes, the person worked for me and leave it at that? Yeah. I mean, so if you are concerned, then you can just say, you know, we will just verify that yet. Yeah, a lot of companies will just verify we'll say yes or no to the information you have. Mm. So you say, Tom lists that he was the director of customer service. He worked from this date to this date. And they would say, yes, that's correct. That's what we have. That that matches. Or they might say, that doesn't match, but we can't tell you what does. I mean, there are people who take that that extreme. So, Ooh. you know, just it just does depend. But you can just verify, yes, they did work here. I mean, there is no legal obligation in most regards yeah. for you to do that. Now, again, with a government thing or something they'll usually send you a thing that says you know we're obligated by law to do this and here's why and you, you'll, you'll know when it's more official than just someone calling you and asking you absolutely yeah when you were talking about that i was actually thinking about my ex-husband you know yes if his current wife had written asking for a reference yes i can verify that i was married to him during that point <laughs> right but the rest you'll have to learn from him and I guess that's how I would treat it with any employee as well. I don't want to jilt, jilt. I don't know if that's the right word that I'm looking for, but tarnish anybody's chance of a better future, right? Because whether it be a previous relationship, personal or professional, we just might not have been a good fit. So, I mean, different personalities get along in different ways. I know your journey has taking you into your radio show, and then also you're a board member of King Wardrobes. Would you mind sharing more about your radio show and also about working wardrobes? Sure. The radio show is a place where we talk about talent. So talented people, talented you know, entrepreneurs, things like that, but also how do we manage our talent? So we have everyone from 
you know, the average business owner from down the street to the head of talent and people from Southwest Airlines and the head of talent from CHRO from GM and uh, authors like Marshall Goldsmith and David Marquet. So really kind of an eclectic group of people talking about talent and how we can manage people better and manage ourselves better. Um, Working Wardrobes is a fantastic organization. They help people actually get the right clothes that they need so they can go in and interview for a job. And this is both people who don't have the, the maybe the money to do it. Those are maybe are homeless. They also have an entire wing uh, that works with uh, veterans. You don't realize that people often can't get a job, not because they don't want to, but because they don't even have the right clothes to show up to an interview. You know, they show up in what they're wearing, which is all they have maybe right now from whatever circumstances, and they're not getting hired. You get them a suit, you put them in a suit, magically they go get a great job and their whole life trajectory changes. So that organization really has for a very long time been doing a great job of helping people who are ready to make a change in their lives. Sometimes they've gone through a, a program prior to that, like a drug program or something like that. Sometimes they just have just come from very poor means and there was no event or, or mistakes in their past that had caused them to be there. Um, and they help them. And of course, then we don't realize that many of our servicemen and women come out of the service only owning their dress uniform. They don't have a suit. They don't have anything that they can wear to, to interview. And that's part of their struggle in getting hired and moving from the you know uh, military to the private sector. So unfortunately, my life has gotten so busy that I have not been able to stay on as a board member with them. But I did for, for quite a while, and I really enjoyed my time and still try to support them as much as I can. Chris, I just want to thank you for that and for sharing, even if you're not a board member currently, because you actually just gave me quite a bit of perspective. And I've shared this on previous episodes of the Positive Productivity Podcast in the past that when I did actually leave my ex, I, I needed to get, go on assistance. And part of assistance, at least the type I was receiving, was that I had to show up for open interviews every Friday. And I was a bit shocked that I showed up in a suit and looked one way, but a lot of the other people quite honestly looked like they hadn't showered and were wearing pajamas or sweats and just like they didn't care, but you just gave me a brand new perspective. It's not necessarily that they didn't care. I mean, they were there. So that was like a poor judgment and assumption on my part, but they might not have had anything else. Yeah. So, wow. You might just not have had it. Right. And so it never even occurred to me. I feel so rotten now. (laughs) Well, and you don't know everyone's journey, but I think when they're ready for it, there are are organizations like Working Wardrobes out there who who are helping those who are who want that help and are ready for it. So. Mm. So for a small business owner such as myself who may be listening today. Are there three to five questions or steps that you would recommend as first actions if they're getting ready to hire somebody? And then I would love to lead that into where can they go to contact you to enlist your services? Yeah, so if they're looking to maybe just onboard the right way and they need some help with that, certainly uh, peopleg2.com, we can help you there. Love to have you. You can check with me on LinkedIn or, or get us on the website and reach out. If you're really looking to think about your culture, if you really want to start your company off right, or maybe you've already, this is where a lot of my consulting work really resides, is those who have started their companies but now realize that they need to do what I did in 2009, which is redesign it and make it better for 
what they're going to need the company to do in the future so they can not only survive but thrive. And so if you're interested in that kind of work, chrispdyer.com is where you can go and uh, check out my speaking reel or, or reach out to me about consulting or things like that. Fabulous. From so many angles, I just want to thank you for being here today because you have inspired and also just truly just by talking about work in wardrobes, you reminded me once again that we can't assume and we can't judge a book by the cover. And I mean, even talking about credit checks and background checks, we don't know the full story. So sometimes just by connecting and just having a conversation, we can get to know so much more and bring light to everything that's going on. So thank you so much again. Listeners, I want to invite you to check out the show notes where you'll eventually be able to get a full transcription and also find all the links to Chris's sites and everything that we've talked about, which you'll be able to find at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP470. But thank you again so much, Chris. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? Figure out what it is that you should be doing that you know you're not doing that would make your life just a little bit better, make your professional life or your personal life a little bit better, and find a way to make sure you do it. The example I have is I knew I needed to be reading more books, and I wasn't getting them done. So I created a book club where once a month I have to show up and facilitate a conversation. So I know that social pressure makes me show up and actually have read the book. So find that thing that will help you get better and then find something that will make sure you do it. And you'll, you'll find that that small change will really help you get better a little bit at a time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.